This is World Beyond War, a new podcast. Welcome to episode 49 of the World Beyond War podcast. I'm Mark Elliott Stein, Technology Director for World Beyond War. This podcast is designed to go out all over the world, but we're aware that an English language podcast might not be able to reach everywhere we want to reach. And we're also aware that we might miss out on having great guests who aren't fluent in English. Recently, our new Latin America organizer, Gabriel Aguirre, suggested to me that we devote an episode to the political crisis in Peru and interview his associate, Ricardo Antonio Soberon Garrido, a Peruvian lawyer and former president of the Drug Commission of Peru and director of the Center for Research, Drugs and Human Rights in Peru. I knew this was an important topic and would be a great guest, but we had to figure out a way to make this work. So I wish I were bilingual. I can get by reading Espanol or speaking very slowly, but I am not able to speak the language well enough to have a conversation in real time. Our guest from Peru is in the same position regarding English. Gabrielle is bilingual, so what we're going to do here today is talk to Gabrielle, who is speaking to us from Bogota, Colombia, who will give us some background about the crisis in Peru, and then we're going to hear answers to questions that Gabrielle sent to Ricardo Garrido so that Ricardo could record his answers in advance. It's a little bit complicated, but we think it's worth it to be able to have the kinds of real conversations we need to have among anti-war activists all over the world so that we can understand each other and work together to end the disastrous syndrome that threatens our planet. So here goes. This will be an exciting episode. Hola, Gabriel. It's been great to have you become part of the World Beyond War team working to find ways to end war all over the world. It's especially great because I previously met you three years ago in episode 14 when you talked about how Venezuela was dealing with the COVID epidemic. Gabriel, before we meet your friend Ricardo, can you tell us a little about yourself, your own background, and how you became a peace activist? Hello, Mara. First, thank you very much for, for the invitation to, to be a part of this new edition of podcast that you have been doing for a long time and that are centrally very important to, to have more knowledge about the general context of, of our war and what is happening in, in the war, uh, in this path of, of war for the abolition of war and the construction of a stable and, and lasting peace. Yes, it's true. We were shared the this, this same space the, during the pandemic, and now we do it together as a team working in War Beyond War. Uh, I'm grateful because it's a great opportunity to, to share with, with people who have a great experience in, in working for peace. I'm sure that I will learn pretty much and, and will also be able to, to share part of my experience in, in this extraordinary work for the construction of a more fair world. Personally, I, I must say that I have uh, always been an advocate of the just causes of the humanity. I especially believe that, that since I was very young, I grew up in, in a family that, that was always very, very interested in, in social work, uh, in the defense of the rights of, of our people, and that undoubtedly uh, impacted, impacted my life, uh, even determined what I wanted to study. For example, I started political science because I, I wanted to dedicate all my strengths 
to, to this objective of, of building a, a more just world. Uh, and from there, I, I started working at a very young age, uh, first in the student movement in, in, in Venezuela, uh, and always participated in, in, in actions with the communities in, in the country to try to, to contribute to, to improve uh, the living condition of the peoples, you know. Uh, and right here, I, I, want to, I want to point out that uh, without a doubt, uh, I have considered that the construction of peace is necessarily involves improving the living condition, the living conditions of the people to, to guarantee the, their social rights. After this experience, uh, I, I dedicate myself to, to learn more about the, the international context and the potential dangers uh, facing humanity in the context of, of wars and, and conflicts, conflicts developing the world. For these reasons, uh, I began to, to work in, in international solidarity, the defense of the human rights and the peace work, uh, having, having the opportunity to, to integrate delegations and, and visit countries in, in conflict, as was the, the case of Syria, where I was in, in, in two opportunities. Uh, it allowed me to, to see the horrors of the war, of war, uh, to see the suffering of the people, uh, but also to see the, the hopeful faces of the people who want and still want to live in peace, uh, to life in peace, uh, in a world that allows uh, them to, to develop their abilities and put them at the service of culture, art, education, science, uh, work, uh, because it's ab about living in a better society. This is uh, my short answer for this question, Mar. Thank you. You mentioned you studied political science, I think. Where was that? Yes, uh, I, 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 I started political science in, in a uni Central University of Venezuela. Uh, I remember I started my, my, my career in 2006. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, in in in, the, in, the, in that university, I was participating in different in different movement student movements. Uh, I was represented for the student in, in the in the university. The, the Central University of Venezuela is the main university mm -hmm. in the country. It's the first university in the country. Uh, I was president for the uh, Central uh, Study. In the, in the political science, you know, was a, a very good uh, experience to, to, to share with the, with the different reivindications for the, for the, for the student, uh, struggling for the, for the hell, struggling for, you know, the, the rise for, for the, for the food in the, uh, in the lounge area for, for the, for the student, mm -hmm. for the library, uh, to have a better condition in the, in the infrastructure of the of the of the school uh, was a, a, a really a, a very good experience and also remember because when I when I was a study especially was in developing uh, were developing in a in a situation in Venezuela because at, at the same time was discussing the constitution reform okay and all the student movements was also participating in, this, in that discussion because in, in the constitution reform uh, we are proposing to to have better conditions for the educations 
in, in Venezuela mm -hmm. uh, really were a special time. It was special, especially especially time to yes to to do our work. Yeah, and a period of great change in Venezuela as well, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And how did you wind up in Syria? How did that happen? Yes, in Syria, uh, I remember because my 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 first trip was in two thousand fifteen. Uh, I we we received an invitation for the organization for the uh, for the student of the of oh, Syria okay. national student of of Syria to participate in, in their congress in their in their congress of of the of the students. Uh, Different delegations, we are participating in another event in, in Lebanon, in Beirut. Uh, I remember because uh, we received the, all, all the delegates received the, the invitation to participate and only two peoples decide mm -hmm. uh, to participate in, 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 in this Congress because of course the, the, the security conditions inside the country was not good at this time because uh, the the Islamic State, okay, uh, take the at this time taken the 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 city uh, eight kilometers from eight kilometers from from this space to to Damascus, okay, to the to the capital. We go by 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 this way for for two hours from the border side for for the border for the Lebanon to to Syria. Uh, each tens, 10 kilometers, uh, we found out a checkpoint, a military checkpoints. This, uh, this way was declared military goals mm. by the Isla Islamic State because the airport was closed. Only you need entry to the, to the country by, by this way. And of course, uh, we, we was... Uh, Staying in the in, in the hotel in the same hotel that the Human Rights uh, Council for the United Nations, the only hotel in security inside the the, the Damasco. Uh, I, I I remember uh, some experience and sometimes because, for example, the the guys that are with us in 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 the visit uh, to. Uh, advise us to to try to don't put uh, near of the of the window because you can you can shoot by by a gun for for the islamic state etc uh, i was participating for example in a, in activities uh, for the holidays uh, of the catholic uh, peoples mm -hmm. uh, this this activity was for, for first time doing uh, from the start of the of the war in in, in the country. So the, the uh, Catholic peoples in Syria, the Catholic yes, the, the Catholic peoples in in Syria, right. uh, and in the same in this in these uh, events, for example, there was a, a band to 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 play a very very strong the the, the sounds the sounds yeah. like a bomb. All the people uh, yelling. In, that space, okay. The people go down to the to the to the underground because mm -hmm. uh, they they think that there was a a, a a bomb, 
okay, in that space. I, I'm not talking about the international delegate. I'm talking about the the people of the of the Syria, and of course mm -hmm. this is a, a a result. This is a consequence uh, of the the fear that the the yeah. people the people feel fell in, in, in the framework of the of the war in, in, inside the country. But also see, uh, it, it meanwhile, the, what's happening, the, the, the war in, in the country, in, in another space, in the same city, for example, the, the, the young people are going for the, for uh, Argos, for, for, for the university to study, the people go to, the, to, to, to their work, Etc. Uh, really, for me, uh, I can say that this experience was was very very important to to, to educate and to, and to have the experience and to understand more better that we we, we need to do it really our work for for peace is is not so it's not so easy. For example, I, I was one week in in, in Syria. I mm. cannot uh, sleep for, by the night because all the night each five minutes you can yeah. hear the sounds of the bombs really okay yeah the, the windows uh, shaking uh, all, okay. all the time because uh, the bombs are not near but are not so far right you know? You're hearing them uh, wow. you can you can see in the, in the sky for example uh, the lying of the of the shotguns uh, okay this this is a, a experience uh, of the war and uh, after this i say okay we need dedicate more efforts we yes. need dedicate, we, we need do more for for to try to to stop the the war to try to abol to to make to, to work in abolition of the war of because uh, the people's need living live, live in peace yeah well, uh, Gabriel, I never knew this about you, um, and I'm so glad to know this that you that you know you have had these experiences. And you know, I want to tell our listeners about the way World Beyond War works. We have chapters all over the world where people in communities all over the world work independently as part of the as part of our you know overall grassroots organization, all just working together on a you know peer-to-peer -peer basis, we also have organizers, and you are our organizer in Latin America. We also have an, a general organizer, Greta Zaro, and we have a Canada organizer, Rachel Small. So you are you really coming on board the team with your experience. You're opening up a whole world to us of Latin American organizing. It's so important to have you here. And I never knew about your experience in Syria. Um, and to me, that that shows what you're bringing to us. You know, you're not only bringing knowledge of your own part of the world, but you're bringing unique knowledge because I don't know many people who've been to Syria. <laughs> I don't know if you know many people who've been to Syria, but I don't. Um, and that's that's great that you can bring this to us. We're, we're so thrilled to be talking to you. Um, so speaking of Latin America, your your idea for this episode, we have a lot of different topics and we've done topics on Bolivia. We had a great guest from, from Medellin, um, but we have never devoted an episode to Peru. So this is going to be a learning experience for me. 
Can you tell us about your associate, Ricardo Antonio Soberon Garrido? How do you know this person? And why did you suggest that he should be our podcast guest today? Uh, I believe that uh, without a doubt, uh, Ricardo being an, an advocate of peace, uh, who lives in, in Peru and who, was, uh, who has participated in, in different space from the institution, public institution, and from the social movement. Uh, of course, this can allow us to, to go a little deeper in, in, in knowing what is happening in, in Peru. What are the reasons why, why many people in, in Latin America and the world are concerned uh, about what is happening there, uh, which seems to, to be a political crisis which, which is getting worse uh, every day uh, and now seems to, to, to become more complex. Uh, for the, the authorization of the Congress of Peru to to, for, for the entry to, of uh, 1,200 US military troops in, in Peruvian territory. Uh, I must mention that Ricardo has been, has been a, a very active person the, these last months to, to build international uh, and active solidarity with, with Peru. Uh, he has been participated in, in many communication spaces, uh, interviews on on TV, radio, press relays for WhatsApp, etc., uh, where he has clearly expressed the, the, the facts that, that have uh, been happening in, in Peru. But uh, I think the, the most important thing is, is that during this interview, Ricardo has not only described the, the context of the country, but he has also mentioned what are possible ways out that the social movements in Peru should, should follow to be able to get out of, of this crisis. Uh, Ricardo has also been a, a promoter of, of this effort, uh, sharing the petition uh, with, with different movements, organizations, with the aim that uh, an increasing number of, of people can, can know the, what is happening and how to take action against it. Uh, so I, I think this podcast will be very useful. Uh, I'm sure the, the message that Ricardo will, will share Will, will very important uh, for everyone. Uh, it's worth mentioning briefly, Mark, that War Beyond War uh, is, being, is being very active uh, with the with has been happening in Peru. Last May 31, in the protest organizers, uh, you know, in, in Ottawa against the, the cancer arts, arts fair, there were messages of solidarity with, with, with Peru to, to stop the shipment of weapons by, by Canada uh, this activity, this activity was made was made possible by by the action of, of racial member of our mm -hmm. staff, and we also we have also posted some statement rejecting the, the sending of the U.S. military troops in in the country. Uh, we are developing this petition to the U.S. Congress. Uh, we hope that many people can sign it. Uh, and in, in the coming months, we'll, we'll be organizing some, some webinars to, to talk about the situation in Peru, putting the issue under discussion and, mm. and generate, generating mobilization in, in solidarity with that. You know, that in, in, in this time, it, that is very, very important uh, because the, the situation is, is getting worse. Uh, of course, we need uh, the solidarity of the all organizations, not only in, in Latin America, we need their solidarity in the US, in, in Canada. Uh, and we are working for, for, 
to do it our our best in uh, in this world. You're talking about some recent events, so let's mention that we are you and I are talking in June 2023, and this crisis um, it is a fairly recent one. There have been a lot of um, a lot a lot of events of concern to anti-war activists in Latin America, but you know, one thing I've mentioned to you, um, Gabrielle, is that even though I think our listeners, somebody who's listening to the World Beyond War podcast probably has basic idea about the effects of colonialism in Latin America, um, you know, ha has some idea of, of the types of problems that exist in countries like Colombia and Venezuela and Bolivia and Brazil, you know, so much turbulence and also positive and negative change going on in these countries. And I do think our listeners are familiar with, you know, who was Simón Bolivar, Fidel Castro, Salvador Allende, Che Guevara, Hugo Chavez. But I do think Peru is, is less known. I don't think we hear as much about Peru in this country. Um, and so I was wondering, Gabrielle, if before we listen to the questions that you had asked your friend, can you sort of just give us a basic explanation? I know you can't do the whole history here, but a basic explanation of what is Peru's unique position among, you know, uh, what makes Peru different and what, what is the crisis that Peru is going through right now so that we can focus not just on all the issues of Latin American colonialism, but on this place. Yeah, yeah. Well, this this is always important uh, to comment on this aspect. And therefore, I, I thank you for the question, Mark. Uh, look, Peru, as you know, is a South American country, with, which, uh, as you point out, has shared a common history on the continent of colonialists uh, being part of the, coloni the colonies of Spain. Peru was really one of the strongholds uh, of the Spanish empire in Latin America because there was the viceroyalty, uh, the figure after the king of the Spain king for Latin America. Uh, logical, logical that strengthened the, the dominance of Spain in that territory. Uh, however, Peru was also the epicenter of great rebellions of the native people, such as the that of Tupac Amaru, for example, uh, which were the, the first emancipation movements in the countries, and then advances in the, the liberation campaign by, by Jose de San Martí from Argentina to, to Peru, uh, and later the Venezuelan general Antonio Jose de Sucre, under the orders of Simón Bolívar to achieve the, the independence. Uh, this this episode of the history in, in Peru is, is very important because for for that reason of the viceroyalty inside the country uh, in, in this in the society of Peru the people was very conservative in, in all the time from, from from the colonialists until today from then of course on Peru has been a, a republic under construction that that has gone through different stages, some periods of democracy, others of the dictator, dictatorship, uh, and so has happened, ha passed its republic life. Uh, there is currently, uh, actually, uh, um, 
at this time. Uh, currently as a state structure with executive branch, uh, judiciary, and the Congress of the Republic. In the recent years, the Congress has played an important role in the political uh, and social life of, of the country uh, to the point of the dismissing presidents, okay, as was re recently the dismissal of the Democratic elected president, Pedro Castillo, and mm -hmm. the illegitimate appointments uh, of uh, Mr. Dina Boluarte, Mr. Dina Boluarte. The current, but, the current president. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'm sure Ricardo can go deeper than, than me on, on this recent event, uh, which we'll be, we'll be talking about today. Uh, in summary, I could tell you, Mark, that the reality and the struggle of the Peruvian people are not very different from those of, of the rest of our peoples in Latin America. We are society that wish to, to live in peace, achieve greater so social justice, have the possibility of enjoying the political, social, and economic rights, uh, life together in, in harmonious way, uh, and be able to put into practice a, a principle that should guide us all in the world, which is the principle of solidarity, cooperation, uh, and mutual support to, to grow and to develop a full without wars, without colonialism, without tutelage, without sanctions, and without imperialism. Uh, that's what uh, uh, I, I could tell you about, about these questions. Well, that is a great answer. Thank you so much. As I've been planning this podcast, I've been reading up myself on the history of Peru, going back, as you mentioned, to Tupac Amaru, also noting, as you mentioned, that it was a stronghold of the Spanish Empire, which gives it a certain character. It's really great to be able to read about it, but then also to speak to a person because you can only learn so much from reading. But from what I've understood, there have been a lot of government turnovers there's a lot of, you know, as you said, Congress and the presidency are often um, overturning each other. The, the current crisis is, is of great concern. So what was the first question that you asked Ricardo? Uh, Ricardo, what is the general evaluation that you from Peru give to this entry of U.S. military troops? Hello. Well, yes, both uh, legislative resolutions serves to authorize the entry of the U.S. military into Peru for different periods of time. It is a practice that is in the illegitimate constitution of 1993, promoted during Alberto Fujimori's dictatorial regime, and grants the Peruvian Congress the power to authorize, setting as a requirement that it does not violate national sovereignty. This long practice of support comes from the military cooperation agreement between the US and Latin American countries. In regional terms, it is a materialization of the provisions of the Inter-American Defense Board of the OAS and the national security strategy that the US has for the Western Hemisphere. It includes land, sea, and air exercises. It has even added an experiment promoted by the US State Department related to 
the establishment of the biological laboratory in the army hospital in Lima. On this occasion, it plans to carry out the exercise called Resolute Sentinel 2023, which includes the deployment of 1,100 men for three months in Peruvian territory, including combat actions, humanitarian assistance, and natural disasters, with the participation of combat aircraft from both countries. In Peru, we have a long history of unilateral cooperations that responds to the strategic interests of the US and not necessarily of Peru. In any case, we denounce that there has been a patronage relationship between the US State Department and the Peruvian Ministry of Defense, as well as the three armed forces, for which reason it is convenient for the later to participate free of charge in the exercises planned by the Southern Command. The fundamental problem in our view is that for various reasons, we believe that it is not opportune or convenient for the interest of the country, both due to the internal situation of deep political and social crisis that we are experiencing as well as external considerations. In the first place, the country continues to be in the midst of a deep political crisis with a completely discredited government, completely isolated at the international level and with the general rejection of the population, especially those who supported former President Pedro Castillo until he was vacated by list and due of the presidency for his own reckless attitudes of closing Congress on December the 7th, 2022. Throughout this first semester, the regime of Mrs. Dina Boluarte has used police and military force disproportionately in various parts of the territory with unlimited states of emergency and prosecution of social leaders, causing the terrible number of 67 Peruvians murdered by the security forces, as it has been confirmed by the reports of UN Human Rights Office, Amnesty International, or Human Rights Watch. For an important sector of the population, political representatives, this income is neither good nor convenient. They have spoken out against this decision which does not seem to respond at all to our true interests in protecting the South American Amazon from the impact of organized crime and extractive economies or the ground sea from illegal fisheries. Everything seems to indicate that there has been a negotiation between the question of a human rights record of Dina Boluarte government and the US <coughs> State Department so that a detracting reaction to the term oil occurring in Peru is maintained in Washington in exchange for freedom to operate militarily in the territory. With elements of armed forces and police with a severe burden of criminal responsibility on their heads. 
that is that is so important for us to hear. I'd like to fill in some some um, some of the blanks here. So Ricardo mentioned Resolute Sentinel, which is yeah. a program of, I guess you would say, joint military exercises um, inspired by the United States in Peru. And it's it's very interesting that all I had to do was Google Resolute Sentinel to see all these outrageously offensive um, displays of what uh, what the United States military is doing, showing off its, its, its so-called power. In Europe right now, we are seeing the results of United States showing off its power in the war that that is currently, you know, looking to me like World War Three in Central Europe between Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. It, this disastrous state of affairs began with the United States demonstrating and and bullying, uh, you know, reinforcing its strength, showing off its strength, and basically acting like it owned Europe. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Through NATO. And similarly, um, the United States is a bullying presence in the Pacific Ocean around China. And now from looking at Resolute Sentinel, I see we are doing the same thing in Peru. And I didn't even know that. I didn't know Resolute Sentinel existed. Yeah, it's, it's the same script. It's the same script. Not, the same not script. only for, for Latin America, it's, it's also for, for Pacific. Uh, it's around Korea, for example, South Korea, the, the, the difference yes. exercise, military exercise. It's the same script, for example, uh, I was reading the, the last the last week here in in, in Colombia, for example, the NATO uh, has uh, doing uh, military training for for the for the army of, of, of Colombia. Okay, it's the same script. Okay, they they are doing the same. Yep, and it will have the same result. And yeah. if anybody out there is wondering what we would like the United States to do, we'd like the United States to keep. Keep its military away from other countries, please. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I say this as a person who unfortunately is stuck living here and paying taxes as part of this machine. Um, horrible. So thank uh, thanks to your friend for letting us know about this. I, I also want to note that I appreciate Ricardo's emphasis on um, saving saving the planet's resources, the Amazon River. And, you know, um, this is this is something you and I haven't even talked about yet, but um, climate is a big part of the picture, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so much to say, but let's go on to question number two. Yeah. So, uh, Ricardo, what, what political implication does the, the entry of these troops in, into South America which is the region, which is a region with, with immense natural resource have. The regions of a global geopolitical order that we must take into account when analyzing the presence of US soldiers in Peru. The media and close to US analysts make us believe and consider these military exercises and the legislative authorization behind as one step forward in terms of cooperation and readiness. But we, we think that it must be seen as a serious mistake 
that both Washington and Peruvian regimes commit that will weaken and destabilize the process of concertation and stability of the South American region as a whole. In the first place, there was recently the presidential meeting of the 10 South American leaders in Brasilia, in which President Lula advocated restarting the dialogue and even spoke of the need for a South American security and defense doctrine, which is a completely different issue that the dependence that we are still having in Peru with the US military doctrine. A few days before, during the G7 meeting held in Hiroshima, Japan, Lula proposed a peaceful solution to the crisis in Eastern Europe. We must remember previously that Argentinian President Aníbal Fernández had responded to requests from Washington that Latin America was not going to supply weapons of Soviet origin to be used by Ukraine. In respect of the principle of non-interfering in the internal affairs of third countries, which is in the core of the Latin American diplomacy. Carry out those exercises immediately after that South American summit that as Resolute Sentinel 2023 responds to NATO's combat doctrine, are an evident involvement with one of the parties in the conflict, with which Peru distances itself from the multilateral effort we do in order to make peace and security prevail in the region. Secondly, we understand that the attempt made by the United States in Peru given the changing political scenario in Latin America and South America in particular, constitutes a bad sign of good neighborliness and of non-respect for the self-determination principle, as well as to our collective interests as Latin Americans. In addition, it is seen as a completely untimely an irresponsible geopolitical response to the growing political, economic, and commercial influence of People's Republic of China in the various countries of the region. As a matter of sample, we must understand for that the Chinese investments in Peru are in the order of the 33,000 million US dollars in 2022, while the U.S. investment in Peru had been in the order of 18 million, thousand million dollars. Peruvian and Latin American civil society, we do not believe these exercises are opportune to turn, turn a zone of peace such as South America into a zone of global geopolitical dispute. Thank you again for that answer. Just to quickly translate one thing, he mentions 33,000 million. We would say 33 billion. 33 yeah. billion is 33,000. Yes, it's correct. It's correct. Yeah. And so what he's saying uh, is that China has twice as much um, economic interaction with Peru as the United States. Is that right? 
Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, and and I think he he was a, a mistake with the name of the president of uh, of Argentina because he say Aníbal Fernández, okay. <laughs> Alberto Fernández. Okay, the the sound is is a little bit uh, similar. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. I would never have yeah. noticed that mistake in a million yeah. years. But I did also notice that he's mentioning the influence of President Lula in Brazil. And, yeah. you know, one thing I just wanted to mention is we are seeing so much change because while in the last, in recent times, we've seen a, a, a loss of credible government in Peru, you know, we've, mm -hmm. we've seen what, we, what was seen as a more hopeful government fall victim to a coup. But in Brazil, um, you know, we have seen what we in the anti-war movement believed to be the positive change of the, you know, in my opinion, fascist leader Bolsonaro being being voted out by Lula. So I am glad that that Lula was that that Ricardo was mentioning um, Lula's influence as well. Um, yeah. And sort of just all of this goes to show, as you said, all of these all of these countries are are going through similar things and it's you know maybe it's maybe it's more helpful not to just think of each country as isolated um, yeah they are so yeah 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 yes in in that answer uh, ricardo was was very good because uh, as you told the the rule of of Lula right now in in the continent is very important not not not, not because it's, it's Lula okay Lula is an important leader but is is what what's mean Brazil for the rest of the continent because Brazil is a strong a strong country okay uh, the 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 main three countries in, in Latin America uh, strongly is Mexico. Brazil and Argentina, okay? And in these three countries, you have progressive uh, presidents, okay? And of course, the influence of, of Brazil in the rest of the country of South America is, is, is very important, of course, uh, for the relationships with the BRICS, for, ex for example. Yeah. Okay? BRICS, you say BRICS, you're talking about Brazil, yeah. Russia, India, China, yeah. South Africa. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, of course, the U.S. know that, know that, uh, and for that reason, they they, they try to 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 keep uh, and to overthrow, if it's possible, the government in, in Brazil. They, they they are trying to move the inside the people. For example, I remember that yesterday I read a, a new that in in Brazil trying to. Uh, to make a, a judge, uh, judge mm -hmm. uh, for the people that was participating with Bolsonaro in, in attempt to, to 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 take the the presidential palace and the uh, the mm -hmm. Congress, etc. Uh, but it's important that that Ricardo's mentioned it. Yes. Um... Okay, let's go on to our to our next question. And the next question, I'm glad that we're talking about the the people of this country. You know, one thing we haven't really directly talked about yet, you and I, Gabrielle, is um, indigenous the indigenous culture 
um, or various indigenous cultures, which as I've, as I've come to understand is such a gigantic part of Peruvian culture and a lot Latin American culture in general. Let's hear your next question, which I think is a bit about what, what the people of Peru um, are thinking and believing. Yeah, uh, so the, the entry of this troop and, and the exercising in the south of the country, how are they, they seen by the Peruvian people? Knowing that it's also a region where multiple alleged uh, violations of the human rights uh, of the civilian population have been denounced. The decision taken by Congress to favor the entry of foreign troops is not so simple. It has several socio-political implications. First is that it has been given by a state branch, the Congress, that has 90% of disapproval among the Peruvian population, putting it at the center of the national debate on the illegitimacy of these governments. In this sense, there is a coincidence in the convergence of the different social organizations that in Peru have been mobilizing and speaking out on the administration of Mrs. Boluarte's government. Andean and Amazonian indigenous movements find the agenda confluence on this point with urban and rural sectors in the country's southern regions for whom this is an un untimely and inconvenient decision. But in addition, the change in political position that has occurred within a weak, cornered, social and politically isolated government is being debated. Initially, Mrs. Boluarte announced that she was ready to produce the early elections in Peru within a year, but then as soon as the marches temporarily stopped in the month of February, March 2023, she changed her position and decided to remain in office until the end of Pedro Castillo's original term in April 2026, despite the original problems she has. It is frankly contradictory that U.S. diplomacy prioritizes its security and defense needs in the hemisphere at the cost of weakening the democratic system and institutions in Peru. It is intended to invite the same institutions that have serious problems due to the commission of acts that violate human rights to carry out military exercises as seems to have been accredited by prestigious organizations such as Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, and the United Nations Office for Human Rights. Now that the union organizations, citizens of the countryside, and students have called for the third takeover of Lima, announced for the next July 19, a week before the National Holiday of Peru, the entry of foreign military personnel means as putting fuel on the fire. Wow. It is really shocking to me just to, to hear about a government that has that 90% of the people consider illegitimate. <laughs> I mean, yeah. 
And I got to say, that doesn't seem much different from how many of us in here in my country, the United States, feel about our government. Um, I wonder if that's becoming true all over the world, <laughs> um, how, how many of us feel. But 90% illegitimate, 90% disapproval, that's pretty shocking. Um, yeah. I'm so glad that you are bringing this information to us, Gabrielle, and, and Ricardo, who is not here with us right now, but I just want to say how much I really appreciate this. Um, we, you know, we, we, we have been talking a while and I do have, we do have a couple more questions, but I, you know, I just want to say that unless we hear these sorts of things, unless we hear about this crisis of legitimacy in a major nation where so many people live and sustain their lives and their families, this is why I'm part of an anti-war, a global anti-war organization, because I want to know that these things are happening around the world. So thank you. And let's keep going on. Um, yeah. Yeah. What are the following actions that should be promoted uh, from the movement against war, uh, militaries, and for peace worldwide to raise the voice uh, regarding this very serious event in, in Peru? Also relating which would be the next actions from the peace movement, movement against war, militarism, or others related to the strengthening of peace in the world. Peru is in the midst of a difficult scenario in Latin America, where a second wave of progressive governments is taking place facing extremely conservative opposition in their attempt to promote democratizing constituent changes. The government of President Biden recognizes the particular fragility of the Peruvian political system and the extremely difficult situation in which it finds itself promoting its own selfish geopolitical interest, even if they go against the current Peruvian pacifist trajectory. In particular, Latin America is witnessing a geopolitical dispute between the US and China and the Peruvian crisis is not far from it. Just as an example, we must say that in 2022, direct foreign investment from the US reached up to 18 billion of US dollars, while Chinese direct investment reached the 33 billion dollars. In reality, it is that the entry of these foreign troops into Peru represents a clear violation of the principle of non-alignment that Peru has had permanently, as well as not allowing interference by any foreign actor in domestic affairs. This represents a set of challenges for the international community, especially for those organizations and communities that in the world defend, defend peace as the guiding principle of international relations and that make an ethical decision regarding any form of militarism or alteration of the principle of peaceful resolution of conflicts, whatever they may be. That is why we consider it essential to draw the attention of the pacifist movement in general, Quakers, Gandhians, citizen groups, and the defense of human rights 
in general, so that they take an interest in what is happening right now in Peru and the issues and principles that are in question for the entry of these North American troops. Well, again, thanks to Ricardo for that great answer. When he talks about Peru's, um, the, the fact that Peru is supposed to be non-aligned and is being forced to become aligned with one side in a world at war, that reminds me very much of our friends in Ireland. Um, because, you know, a few years ago, I think this might have been before you were associated with us, Gabriel, we, we had a global conference actually in Limerick, Ireland, where we talked about the fact that Ireland's constitution demands that it um, be non-aligned among the world's military powers, and yet they allow aircraft into Shannon Airport, military aircraft, in violation of their own non-alignment. It sounds like Peru is in a similar, as you say, it's the same script. Yeah, 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 it's true, it's true. That's it. Um, this last question actually sort of came from me um, you know, after hearing after hearing about the questions you were asking, I just wanted to sort of get Ricardo's sense of the the bigger vision about the peace movement. Um, yeah. So um, that was sort of the last question he's answering, and uh, we do have to wind down here. Um, but uh, you know, after this, I you know I'd like to know from you, Gabriel, if there's any concluding remarks you'd like to say. But let's hear yeah. his last words. Okay. The post-pandemic world is characterized by its profound volatility and turbulence, where old and traditional geopolitical conflicts converge with new threats to the security of the globe, fueled by the deep environmental consequences of climate change. Latin America suffers, for example, the progressive destruction of the South American Amazon basin, where native cultures live and is the largest reserve of fresh water. It is in this new unpredictable international situation that coordinated actions and solidarity in which peace, pacifist, non-militarist movements and those rejecting the use of force as the engine of change in international relations can come together are of the greatest importance. It is an unavoidable task of the peace movements in the region. The Latin American countries, we have a long history of creating and strengthening the movement in favor of human rights, especially as a consequence of the dictatorships of the 1970s. In particular, the Truth Commissions, the Nevermore Reports, and the transitional justice processes have been very useful and functional instruments for a reconciliation agenda. But at the same time, we are living in a risky and difficult scenario where waves of conservatism can overboard the steps taken in this direction. There is the sad example left by the Bolsonaro administration in Brazil regarding vaccines and the rights of indigenous peoples to cite just two examples. 
I call the tension of solidarity of all those organizations in the world that fight to promote a culture of peace, nonviolence, and respect for differences, and the protection of individual and collective human rights so that they understand and recognize them as their own. The struggles of the Latin American peoples against any foreign interference. Well, your friend has a lot to say. Um, and I, you know, again, it's moving to, to hear it. And I'd like to know, Gabriel, do you have any concluding words, any final thoughts um, to add to your friends? Well, no, uh, just just to mention that uh, in the in that in response, uh, uh, Ricardo expressed the the idea and the spirit of the people of of Peru, expressed the the collective idea from from the society, uh, and for us it's very important because we are uh, in a obligated to 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 increase our solidarity with, with them because they are uh, they are struggling in the country they are suffering many difficult and harsh situations with the human rights with the economical political and social rights and of course for example the the, the the populations like like indigenous people in, inside the country, you know, that's very very important. The the movement of the grassroots from the grassroots in in the country they are facing from from different uh, violations uh, of the human rights. They are suffering jail and the the persecutions from 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 the from the police and from the army of uh, of the Peru. And now the entry of the U.S. troops, this situation will be getting worse for for the people in, inside the country. And of course, uh, just just to mention that uh, we will try to 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 do our work. We will try to to help them with the, with our uh, with our work around the, around the world with the, with different people from our platform of the War Beyond War. Uh, we are with them. We are with them. Uh, we are working uh, in, in, in this line. And not just world beyond war, but I like to always say world beyond war and the world's various anti-war movements, because we don't care if you work for world beyond war or some other peace movement. If you're working for peace, we are your ally and we are your partner. Um, yeah. And, you know, just one last thought I had that to complete a thought that I think you and Ricardo both are getting at is that indigenous communities are often the worst affected by climate change. And, yeah. you know, we, those of us who live in cities, I'm here in Brooklyn, New York, you know, we, we are a bit sheltered from climate change, but, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the times are serious. We are seeing wars all over the world right now. The clamoring out of control. Nobody's in charge. Um, we don't know where this is going. And instead of helping, the United States is conducting military exercises. Thanks a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, of course. So, Mark, what do you think about uh, the answers uh, from me in English? What, what do you think? 
Oh, it's great. I mean, you, as far as I'm concerned, I speak, I, I can communicate with you as well as anybody else, but I know you're sort of working twice as hard as me, <laughs> you know, you, okay. to, to do this. So I appreciate the work you're doing to, um, you know, to, to communicate in a language that isn't your first language. Um, yeah. I, I get a very clear message from all of this. And the message is this has to stop. This has to okay. stop. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, thank you. Thank you very much. And thank please, please extend um, your thanks to Ricardo. He's part of the podcast now, even though he's not here on, uh, in, in our session. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I will, I will, I will. So great. Eh, bueno, Mar, necesitas aprender a hablar español. Doing my best, doing my best. <laughs> Next year I'll be better. <laughs> claro, claro, claro que sí. No, so, Mar, really, really thank you. I, I appreciate it, the, the, this, this opportunity. Uh, as I mentioned, this is my first interview in, in English. It's a, a grateful experience. Thanks for, for conducting and uh, for, for leading this, this, this podcast. Uh, I was uh, I, I'm learning more English with your podcast. Uh, All right. All, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's very good for me because I, I can learn English and of course I know more about the, the anti anti-war movement for peace uh, and of course for, for the war of the war beyond war and, and for the war of the different activists uh, from war beyond war uh, around the, around the, the, the war uh, and of course it's, it's, it's amazing and of course you you, you do it a, a great job you do you doing a, a, an important yes, work in, in, in esta línea so thank you so much thank you so much you too. And by the way, if you're hearing my voice, you're hearing Nueva York. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is very yeah. good from other parts. Your accent is, is from Nueva York. Because we get made fun of a lot. You know, our accents yeah. get made fun of. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This has been a great episode. I'm so okay. glad we did this. So okay. See you Thank later. you. Okay, see you later. Alcemos la voz en un canto en favor de la paz. Alcemos la voz en un canto en favor de la paz. Alcemos la voz en un canto en favor de la paz porque con hambre y justicia no se puede encontrar. Alcemos la voz en un canto en favor de la paz. Alcemos la voz en un canto en favor de la paz. Alcemos la voz en un canto en favor de la paz porque con hambre y justicia no se puede encontrar. Este es un canto para unificar y en una sola dirección nuestra energía aprovechar quitándole la máscara al tirano. Que con su barra siempre ya mata a nuestro hermano. Vamos venezolanos, latinoamericanos, seamos bandera de una nueva idea. Unamos nuestra mente en una sola tarea. No te quedes callado ante la injusticia. No apoyes al ladrón que con su máquina de justicia. La guerra por dinero. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Our podcast is now available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Don't forget to give us a rating. Visit worldbeyondwar.org to learn more about the social and environmental impacts of the war machine 
and get involved in the movement for a world beyond war.